Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico, now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Friday, February 4th. It's the final weekend, folks, before the Super Bowl um, no real massive sports this weekend. Obviously, listen, you know I own a team in Liga MX. They play on the 5th. Very excited for that. Uh, we've got some NBA action. Obviously, if you're not diving into college basketball this week, um, I would assume that if you haven't subscribed to Ken Palm, this is the week to do it because we got one more week to gamble on the NFL. Uh, college basketball is going to feed that fix during the week here uh, in the month of February. But, um... Today's all about our guest, Bob Costas, a legend, big-time icon in the industry. I know you guys are familiar with his work from baseball, football. I mean, he's called everything, Olympics. And if you go look on YouTube, Michael Jordan's final shot with the Bulls, where he pushed off on Brian Russell. Jordan, open, Chicago with the lead! Uh, Costas with an, I mean, the guy just has been at all the big games. I, of course, remember stewing when Jordan hit that shot. I so wanted the Bulls to lose. I know, I know, Jason, you're a hater. No, no, I was a Knicks fan. I was sick of the Jordan worship. Obviously, he's great, no doubt about it, but I just rooted against him. Uh, yes, I rooted for Carl Malone in the Jazz, even though I'm a uh, Lakers and Knicks fan back in the day. But I digress. This is all about Bob Costas. So, 
you know, I was going to talk a little bit about Doug Peterson getting the Jacksonville job. I think there's a great upside there for Peterson. Congratulations. It sounds like Byron Leftwich pulled his name out of the running once this GM situation was still unsteady. It sounded like Trent Bulky was going to have a new guy to report to, but it wasn't being done in a timely manner, and Byron Leftwich doesn't get the job. And now here we are on Friday, and six NFL coaches have been hired, and they're all white guys, and that discussion is going to continue for sure into next week. But uh, I thought we'd basically dedicate the entire podcast to Costas, who's just incredible. Um, if you guys like baseball, if you like sports in general, he's got opinions on lots of things, including the uh, MLB Hall of Fame. I think you will really enjoy his gambling background. Uh, yes, Bob Costas has one. Uh, but without further ado, let's get to the man, the myth, the legend, Bob Costas. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. So let's welcome into Straight Fire one of the most famous guests we've ever had. Uh, listen, we've had actors, we've had big-time athletes, media members, but I don't think it gets bigger than this. Um, Bob Costas, uh, a, a true legend in the industry. Bob, I'm sorry for the gushy introduction, but you know, growing up, you were part of the soundtrack of my youth. Every time I turn on a major sporting event, Bob Costas on the call, whether it's Jordan in the 90s, the Olympics, Super Bowl. Uh, you did everything, Major League Baseball. Um Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jason. You know, when it started out, or when I started out, uh, the words irreverent and newcomer were almost always, it seemed to me, attached to my name. Now I'm venerable, and it's almost automatic whether I deserve it or not. I'm legendary or iconic, just, I guess, uh, as you listed, being at the scene of so many big events and having done it for so long, and having been literally the new guy, having been... I guess I was 24 when I did my first network broadcast and I looked like I was about 15 from having been, hey, here's the kid. Now I've got people, not kids themselves, but people in the prime of their lives like you saying, hey, I grew up listening to you. You're the soundtrack of my sports memories. But it's really not exactly fair to say that because Al Michaels is in that same grouping. He's in and- there. Jim and Jim Nance and and even Joe Buck now, although Joe is a generation younger than me. Joe's been doing this for a quarter century now. Yeah. He started about as early as I did. But to be, you know, mixed in with that group, that's just great as far as I'm. Yeah, concerned. it's you know, I work kind of with Joe a little bit at Fox. Obviously, I haven't really done a broadcast with him, but, I, you know, I know him. I see him more friendly. Uh, so it, it's not as like, oh, Bob Costas, you know, uh, Joe Buck seems to me like a normal guy. I've sat next to him at dinners before. But this is Bob Costas. I mean. You know, the guy, uh, my idea, Bob, was to get you on for the Hall of Fame last week, you know, when we started texting. Uh, And then so much has happened in the, you know, sports, it doesn't stop. It's like the NFL's got a major headache on its hands, a massive problem. The Olympics are starting up. I forgot how connected to the Olympics you were. Um, Obviously, baseball is pivotal, but I'd like to start with the NFL. Uh, You're out here in L.A. Uh, First of all, will you be hanging around for the Super Bowl at all? Yeah, I think ordinarily I would. Um, now, although I think they've got it pretty well under control, there's still COVID protocols and traffic mm. and whatnot. Uh, and like you, I'm sure I got a pretty nice TV. I'm not, <laughs> I have no broadcast assignment. I can sit at home. Don't have to worry about where the men's room is. Yeah. I know my own house, uh, all, all that stuff. And I, I'm connected to Al and to Chris and Michelle and the people that will be involved 
Fred Gidelli, the producer, Drew Esikoff, the director. I'm connected to all those people because of all my years at NBC. So I'll be watching not only uh, to watch the Rams and the Bengals, but to root for them to have a great telecast, which they almost always do. Uh, I know you and the NFL didn't end on great terms, but it sounds like you're still kind of a fan. I mean, I don't know if you're watching Red Zone every Sunday like me or you're into fantasy football or gambling. Um, But the NFL, a lot has happened, you know, kind of since you have moved on uh, in Mm -hmm. the last few years. I don't know. I'd like to start with the gambling because I do a ton for Fox and FS1 on gambling and, and the league. And, you know, it seems to have been normalized right i don't you know 25 years ago gambling cd back rooms guys smoking cigars and um illegal activity and now it's like if you don't have action on the game what's wrong with you well i guess i don't (laughs) guess i know there are millions and millions of people who don't have action on the games uh as you may know i grew up around gambling my father way before any legalized gambling when you had to pick up a phone and call a bookie and have a code for your name. My dad had thousands of dollars riding uh, in a given day, uh, especially on weekends when there were multiple games you could watch. And this is before the internet, before ESPN, before you could access uh, scores. So mostly he bet on the games that we could see uh, in New York, in the New York area. Uh, So I'm very familiar with it. And I have a sort of Runyon-esque view of kind of the glamorous, roguish side of it. But inevitably, when you have uh, this kind of encouragement of gambling and it's so easily accessible, just pick up your phone and do it. A lot of people are going to do it for enjoyment and that's just fine. But inevitably, uh, I'm sure there will be studies and data that will be out eventually. Inevitably, there will be casualties in the form Mm. of people uh, becoming addicted to gambling because it's so easily accessible. You used to have to go out of your way. Mm-hmm. Go to Vegas, go to Atlantic City, hook up with bookies like my dad did, which, you know, it involves some peril because if you didn't pay on time, these guys weren't amused. You know, they, they weren't playing Monopoly and rolling mm-hmm. dice. They, they were they were serious. Now it's so easily accessible. And you're right. It's it's been normalized. You know, as far as my own connection or non-connection to the league, this is the truth. I don't follow it. I'm not reading stories, by the way, of, of, of by and large, rather, about the NFL, uh, except on the big issues. I'm interested in the big issues, but I'm not looking granularly at the injury report for the Vikings <laughs> coming in on Wednesday leading into Sunday. And I've never for a very long time uh, made any plans around, oh, I'd like to, but there's this game on Monday night. There's this game on Thursday night. Honest truth, I generally don't know who's playing on Monday night or Thursday night. And if I happen across it, it's just because I'm channel surfing. I have nothing else to do. But if I'm at home and happen upon a game, even a regular season game, and there's a few minutes to go and it's close, I know enough about the basic dynamics of football to plug right into it. Um, And certainly during the playoffs, uh, the past few weekends have been amazing in terms of just the the excitement and and the thrill of it. But on the other hand, on any given October 15th, you said to me, name half the head coaches in the NFL and half the starting quarterbacks, and your life depends on it. I might have to make out my last will and testament. 
<laughs> wow. Um, so I wait, I'm, I'm curious on the gambling. So do you think like, I know the reason I got into covering sports, um, was because like, I was a good youth athlete. And then like I, everybody got big and matured and I wasn't big and couldn't make like the high school basketball team. And mm-hmm. I was devastated. So I went to work at a newspaper. Do you mm-hmm. think in any way, shape or form, your dad's interest in sports and gambling got you into sports and kind of, you know, announcing and so forth? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was like a bunch of other kids in the neighborhood. We all liked sports. You know, you played not just Little League or tried to make a school team, but you played in the schoolyard. You just, you know, you were in a, in a vacant lot. You mm-hmm. just played whatever sport was in season. Uh, but I guess um, my father's gambling further connected me to it because there were always games on. And he always had a specific rooting interest because the mortgage was riding on it. Uh, So and he was knowledgeable about sports. And so some of that was transmitted to me. So that had something to do with it. I can never remember a time, though, that I wasn't interested in sports and that the announcers weren't important to me. Even when I was seven or eight years old, I mean, I knew the difference between when Mel Allen was calling the game or Red Barber was calling the game. Or when we lived briefly in California, Vin Scully or Marty Glickman or the young Marv Albert, all those voices were for me inseparable from the events themselves. And it occurred to me very early on. I think the first time I thought about the possibility of wanting to grow up to be an announcer, I was probably nine, 10 years old. Jeez. My my kids are in that age, uh, daughter, nine, son, 10. And I do wonder... um, you know, the gambling stuff, they know that I talk about gambling. I do some shows from home and during the games, you know, obviously, Hey, we're going to hit a three team parlay guys, you know, but I wonder like, you know, I didn't, I don't think they really understand, but it sounds like you did understand. Now, obviously I would never put like our mortgage on the line. My wife would kill me. Um, but I, I, I guess maybe I should dial it back hearing that you did understand what was going on when you were 10 with gambling and sports, huh? Oh, I couldn't help but understand because it was a defining aspect of our home life. Um, But if you said to me, to your point, when I was 10 years old, if you said to me on Monday or Tuesday, looking ahead to the next Sunday slate of NFL games, what's the line on the Giants Eagles game? As a 10 year old kid, I'd give it to you within a point. I mean, I had internalized all that stuff. And eventually, uh, although my father found out about it, he uh, laid down the law in no uncertain terms. But this is the truth. When I was 15, 16 years old, I ran a bookie operation of my own in my high school. And (laughs) the way the way I was successful was I knew who the Giant fans were, who the Jet fans were, who the Met and Yankee fans were. And so if their team was favored, I'd create a line that was way higher than it should have been. But they'd still bet with their hearts. So they'd be given more points than they should have been given. And if their team was the underdog. I would set the line too low. So they'd be getting too few points compared to what the actual line was, but they bet based on what teams they root, they rooted for. So I was coming out way ahead. And a lot of times on the same game, I could create enough of a space that I would hit a middle and both the <laughs> underdog betters and, and the favorite betters would have to pay me. So wow. now <clears throat> I have like, I don't know, 120 bucks or something like that in like 1968 in the dresser drawer in my bedroom, along with some sheets where I was keeping track. No, you know, Joey, Joey bet on the Jets and, you know, wow, Sam bet on the Browns, whatever. And my dad discovered this. And this was back in the day 
You know, this wasn't Dr. Spock stuff. Your dad could kick your ass if he felt like it. Uh, <laughs> and, and instead, what I got was a very stern talking to. Okay. And the understanding, uh, Robert, which is, you know, anyone who grew up being called Bob or Bobby knew that when your parents said Robert, you were in trouble. Uh-huh. Robert, I can't stop because he was addicted. Robert, I can't stop. Don't start. And I, I knew by the tone of his voice and the look in his eye that if I didn't, that there would be an ass kicking the next time. So I'm assuming all your clients were devastated. Did somebody pick up your book? Did you just hand it off? <laughs> That's a really good question, Jason. So far as I know, the entire operation, it was like when they when they shut down Nathan Detroit's floating yeah. crap game in Guys and Dolls, the whole operation was shut down. Oh, geez. So uh, I guess you had to start mowing lawns and getting money the real way, right? The old-fashioned way, as they say. Yeah, kind of boring. Kind of a yeah. boring suburban life. Uh, speaking of boring, uh, transition, I, I, you know, the Olympics either start or started one of those two. I, I don't know, Bob. I've never been a huge Olympics guy. There's just too many options now. You know, back when you were calling it in like 1988, 92, I mean, there wasn't a million channels, Netflix. You know, I mean, any given night I lay in bed with the wife, we're, we've got options uh, TV-wise, that, that we got to catch up on. There's so many you know, Jason, things. By the way, if you're in bed with the wife, one of the options is yes. to turn off the TV. Yes. And, uh, well, you know, obviously. You know what I'm saying. Yes, Bob. I'm, I'm yeah. oh, well, well aware of that. But yes. it is fun to put the kids to bed, catch up on Ozark. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. We've got this other show that we got to catch up on too. And bottom line is like uh, Olympics fall through the cracks. I, I, I don't know who's curling. Um, and also, the, uh, I got to be honest, the, the China stuff irks me just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, do you miss calling the Olympics at all? No, I don't. But that is not anything disrespectful toward the Olympics. There are other issues I have with it. But I hosted a dozen, 11 in prime time. And in 88, I was the late night host. And Brian Gumble was the primetime host. That was my first Olympics. I'm very glad I did it. I've got a lifetime's worth of memories. But I knew that 2016 and Rio would be my last Olympics five years prior to that that was always my plan and when i signed my last contract with nbc that was the plan uh so i can honestly say that although i'll follow the olympics because i'm interested in how the the stories will be covered not so much the curling and the luge competition but how are they going to navigate uh the elephants in the room concerning china and covid that's very interesting to me and of course i'm rooting for my friends and colleagues. So in that sense, I'll tap into it, but not once the 2018 games in South Korea, last summer's games in Tokyo, not once, even for a second, did I have a feeling I wish I was there or if I was there, I'd say this. It's just, it's completely out of my system. It's funny. A lot of people are mentioning the Olympics, I guess are coming to LA in I don't know, 26, 28, one of them. And all these people are upset, like, geez, it's going to totally screw up. <laughs> 28. 28, okay. It's going to totally screw up traffic in the summer. Like, it's going to be a nightmare. And people, like, don't want it. Again, small sample size, but, like, the people I mm-hmm. talk to are just like, dude, it's going to be awful. You know? Well, I, 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 if you're going to have a Summer Olympics in the United States, the city or region best suited to it is Los Angeles right. because they have so many existing facilities and mm-hmm. now the new, you know, state-of-the-art palace, SoFi Stadium, uh, will be a hub of a lot of it. Uh, You're right that there's logistical challenges, no question about that. But they do have the facilities to make it work. You know, it's funny. I... 
I, again, I don't want to end up bashing the Olympics and get too political here, but this this whole situation with China, like the NBA's getting in, they're getting in the crosshairs with China. But Bob, here's the thing that ticks me off. Everything gets so politicized, right? It's like you're basically on the left or on the right, and all of a sudden the NBA's bad because it's bending the knee to China. And and then my counter is, okay, and I have no dog in this fight. Like, okay, so the Olympics are there too. What are we doing about that? And then what about the phone that you're using? Where was that made? What about the jeans that you're wearing? Where was that made? What about the Nike shoes? You're, where was that made? And it's like, it, it, their argument falls apart. I, I don't know what to do. Bob, you're obviously a really intelligent guy. There's no easy solution to this, is there? Well, in one respect, there was. The IOC never should have gone back to China. In 2008, it was part of, at least plausibly, the idea we want to move the Olympics around as much as possible. Someday there will be an Olympics on the African continent. Um, they opened it up to Asia, uh, 2008 Beijing, 2018 back in South Korea. They'd been there in 1988. Tokyo, unfortunately, overshadowed by the pandemic. That mm. in and of itself is not a bad idea. It's a global event. And maybe even though there were serious human rights issues and serious press freedom issues and all the rest, uh, in China going way back. It wasn't as, it just wasn't as blatant, it seems, as it is now, or at least the world wasn't as fully aware. Mm-hmm. So you say, okay, we'll, we'll give them a pass on this. Let's see if this can work out. And the answer always was, and I always tried to bring some element of journalism to the coverage as best I could. Uh, a host doesn't program the Olympics. Yeah. He, he or she does as best he or she can uh, in the little windows that exist. But within those windows, I always tried to at least present a big picture of the context in which an Olympic Games was taking place. And I always put the following question to Jock Roga, to Thomas Bach, whatever Olympic officials I was interviewing. What is it with the IOC's affinity for authoritarian nations? How do you <laughs> rationalize this? Or in Sochi, I remember asking Bach, are you comfortable with the Olympic flame burning over Vladimir Putin's Russia? And the answer always is, well, we hope that our presence here will, in a positive way, affect their behavior. And my answer now, as it has been for a long time, is how's that working out? Yeah. You know, so, okay, you went to Beijing in 2008. I know that there's a problem with uh as you alluded to talking about even residents of LA not being happy that the Olympics are there. There's a number of reasons why the number of cities or nations bidding for an Olympics has dwindled. So on the one hand, you could say, well, the Chinese, the CCP, they'll put all the resources into it. They'll run an effective Olympics. And they certainly ran an effective Olympics in 2008 in Beijing. All right, now it's 2015. We've got to decide again. We don't have that many candidates that appeal to us. Oslo, Norway was a natural Winter Olympic site, but for whatever reason, even though, as I understand it, on, on 12 of 14 checkpoints that are part of the consideration for a host city or nation, Oslo actually came out ahead uh, on 12 of the 14. Hmm. But the two that China uh, came out ahead by the IOC's calculations were security and infrastructure resources that they could put toward those things. And obviously in a, in an authoritarian nation, those sources are unlimited. No one's talking about 
uh, a shortfall. No one's talking about a deficit. They don't have to explain any yeah. of that. And the IOC is <laughs> comfortable with that. Okay, so that's mm -hmm. more background than you probably wanted. But 2015 is when the decision comes down. By then, is it not abundantly clear what's going on here? Yeah. It, it was really it was really shameless on the part of the IOC to place this Olympics back in China. And now it's all come to a head. Individual yeah. examples, Peng Shua, I, I, I keep mispronouncing your name and I'm the, sorry. The tennis that. player, right? Yeah, the tennis, the yeah. tennis player, oh, the treatment of the Uyghurs, uh, the the absolute crackdown on any kind of democratic reforms or free flow of information, uh, the very real concern that everybody there is being monitored. So people bringing burner phones rather than their own devices into China. And then coupled with the pandemic and the COVID protocols in China are so extreme that entirely asymptomatic people are not only going to be pulled, but they're going to be quarantined uh, by Chinese edict yeah. for a very long time. Now, it's one thing if a guy from the New York Times or a broadcaster from uh, the Canadian, the CBC, uh, can't do his or her job and is confined someplace. But we know the nature of the Olympics. An NBA player tests positive and whatever the evolving protocols are, he misses a few games. But if you're an Olympic athlete yeah. and you test positive, even completely asymptomatic at the wrong time, there yeah. goes four years of preparation right out the window. So now, to your point, talking about how you feel about these Olympics, these aren't backstories. This is front and center. Yeah. That You don't have to be a well-informed person. The casually informed person is at least generally aware of all of these factors that I just laid out. And then on top of it, there's fewer fans in the stands, almost none. No access to friends and families because of the protocols. The travel log aspect of it, they'll have some features in the bank that they'll that they'll run that are recorded. But the idea like here's Jim McKay standing in front of the Great Wall of China or here's Bob Costas at the Great Barrier Reef back in 2000 in Australia. All that stuff is gone. Yeah. And then and then you couple it with what what you're talking about. The there are so many more options now. And even people that are Olympic fans might say, well, you know, I can get it later or I can tape it or somebody will have it or this or the, the highlights will show up somewhere or other. Um, it just it diminishes yeah. the, the sense of it. You don't have a sense right now as we speak of anticipation um, as much as NBC is trying to build it. Understandably, they got billions of dollars yeah. wrapped up in it and it's not their fault. But the the circumstances have really worked against them here. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats. That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Pirelli tires. 
Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Even the athletes, you know, Bob, when you were calling, and I remember like Carl Lewis was a worldwide, Florence Griffith Joyner, these guys were massive stars. And unfortunately now, 98% of these Olympians, you've never really heard of. And they, you know, a TikTok influencer is going to be all over. You're going to be hearing more about that than you are these Olympian athletes. It just doesn't feel like it has the same gravitas that it once did. Yeah, I think you're right about that. The Winter Olympics was always a little more difficult in yeah. that respect. And generally speaking, figure skaters would become a big deal. Uh, or maybe in Salt Lake City or in Vancouver, the hockey competition mm-hmm. was was important. There was always something uh, that you could hang your hat on. Um, but the Olympics are different, even the Summer Olympics, which are more accessible, I think, to the general American sports fan. Sometimes cynical press people uh, would take jabs at this, yeah. but you have to present an Olympics differently than an NFL game or a Major League Baseball game. The Super Bowl is only different by degree from the conference championships, which is only different by degree from the earlier rounds of the playoffs or the regular season. People know who Tom Brady is. They knew Manning is. They know who Joe Burrow is and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there'll be features about Joe Burrow in the six-hour pregame show, but it isn't necessary to watch any of that to enjoy and understand who Joe Burrow is. But if you're going to present an Olympics, you have got to familiarize the audience with these competitors and give the audience a reason to care. 
to root for them, to root against them, to understand the, the backstory. So despite whatever criticism NBC ever received for that, you know, maybe sometimes they went overboard with it. But by and large, that had to be the approach. You, you hear anybody in an off Olympic year talking about curling? <laughs> Some guy in Wyoming yeah. speculate, speculating about the luge? <laughs> no, they don't. Yeah, that's really helped the NFL a lot. Like, I nobody five years ago, nobody knew who Joe Burrow was outside of right. like Ohio, right? But then he has that great year at LSU. They win the title, you know, fit twenty million people watch that. And it's like, oh, he's going to go number one overall. Now everybody. Now my mom still doesn't know who Joe Burrow is. My wife has no clue who he is. But but the sports fans, guys, do. Uh, my, I like the mom test, Bob, for for a lot of these athletes. And like Matt Stafford is still like he doesn't go on the, whatever the equivalent of Oprah Winfrey is these days. And mm-hmm. so this Super Bowl, is, I think, is going to struggle a little bit. But Bob, we've seen NBA struggle with the ratings, Major League Baseball, even the college football numbers are way down. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, you know, you've been at this for a while, like. All this stuff feels cyclical, right? I mean, boxing was a massive sport in America, and now it's featuring, you know, this guy who, uh, Jake Paul from YouTube or whatever. Like, that's where boxing is. Horse racing was massive. I don't know. I'm curious. What do you think is kind of next here in America in the next, like, 10 years sports-wise? Because a lot of the numbers are not promising from a TV standpoint. Yeah, well, the NFL is the colossus, and the rules don't apply. All these factors, which are definitely important, just don't apply as much, if at all, to the NFL. It cuts through everything. Every year, at the end of the year, if you look at the 100 top-rated television programs, 80 of them or so are NFL games. So, And if somebody's mom doesn't know who Joe Burrow is, they will after the Super Bowl is over (laughs) because everybody watches the Super Bowl. People that don't don't know a screen pass from a draw play watch the Super Bowl (laughs) for the commercials, for the party, whatever it might be. I made this point on CNN the other day. Joe Burrow is an emerging star. When the Super Bowl is up, but he's only played two years in the NFL. Yeah. When the Super Bowl is over, to the mom test you're talking about, Joe Burrow would trounce Mike Trout in a mom test. But Mike Trout is, by acclamation, the best baseball player of his generation and has been in the major leagues for a decade. Mm. What's the difference? It isn't quality of performance. It's the centrality of the NFL. The NBA and baseball have essentially, on a national basis, made themselves into cable sports. When I did the baseball game of the week, not because it was me, but because of the institution of the baseball game of the week in the 80s, me and Tony Kubek and Vin Scully and Joe Garagiola, if you were a baseball fan, you didn't mow the lawn during those three hours. And you could get a whole game in plus a pregame show in three hours back then. That's when you saw Fernando Valenzuela face Johnny Bench or whatever it might be. And you didn't have so many games on TV that that didn't feel special. Plus, network TV mattered. It mattered. So now, regionally, you know, the the Yankees on Yes Network and the Red Sox on Nesson and the Cardinals in the Midwest, they do very, very well. But nationally, Mm. it doesn't cut through as much. But you think about the NFL. Um, Every game is on network television in some sense. And even if someday the Jacksonville Jaguars got good enough to make a run to the Super Bowl or deep into the playoffs, by the time they got that far, fans who hadn't paid much attention to them Mm. would be familiar with their head coach, with their quarterback, with the essential players. That's just the way all this stuff has been presented. And I've used this example before, and I apologize if people have heard it and are tired of it. 
one of the big differences, maybe the most important difference between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. If you want to use metrics and compare them and make a case for LeBron James, go ahead. But if you want to talk about fan impact, it's Jordan in a route. Yeah. There are, there are a number of reasons, but the primary reason is the NBA was on NBC in the 90s. Every one of those important games was on network television. Yeah. You know, game two of the re- of the semis might have been on TBS, and they did a fine job with it. But all the important games were on NBC. And it wasn't just the games themselves. That meant that the promos were on ER and Friends and yes. Seinfeld and the Today Show and the Tonight Show and David Letterman. It was just in the atmosphere. It was water cooler stuff. LeBron James, there is no little old lady in Omaha who has ever once said to your mom test or your grandmother test, (laughs) you know, Mildred, I'd love to play bridge tonight, but I have to watch LeBron James. (laughs) But, but you know, you know, your grandmother knew who Michael Jordan was. Yes. And she didn't, she didn't necessarily know who John Paxson was or care, you know, (laughs) but she's, I'm going to watch Michael Jordan tonight. Yeah. play the Portland Trailblazers. And then by osmosis, if you're watching Michael Jordan, by osmosis, you're absorbing the rest of the league. Somebody asked me the other day to talk about uh, the 92 NBA All-Star Game when mm. Magic Johnson came back yes. uh, after retiring. After Probably the, the greatest All-Star Game ever, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's With having not played all season long, he scores 25 points yeah. and shoots 10 of 15 from the floor. So it was memorable in that respect. But then I looked at the lineups and you know, maybe it's generational, but every one of those names resonated yeah. to me in a way that very, very good players. I mean, there are wonderful players in the NBA today, but when, when you get past LeBron and when you get past Steph Curry and three or four other guys, we're out of household names. We're, we can go on to a hundred names if we're watching Ernie Johnson and, and Shaq and, and Kenny and, and, and Charles. But if you're just talking about that, that metaphorical little old lady after you get past LeBron and Steph Curry, are we not out of household names? Yeah, it it is definitely tough. It it sounds like just putting things together. So the NBA to grow uh, financially said, Hey, we will cut deals with cable networks. We'll put our games on cable. We'll make a lot of money. Everybody all of a sudden's making 30 million. Russell Westbrook's making 40 million. Like Mm -hmm. everybody wins. But in the big picture, it sounds like, you think kind of they're losing because they're not on network TV, which is understandable. They're losing something. Yeah. I don't know if in the overall business model, they're losing that much. Um, and especially when the COVID cloud has lifted, they'll be still be packing arenas. Uh, and in some cases they are already. Uh, but something's lost. Something yeah. in the zeitgeist is lost. And to backtrack to one of your earlier points, which is about China, uh, I do think that, as I said, the Olympics had an easy choice. It wasn't that complicated. Just don't go back there and then you're done with it. But the NBA is deeply entwined. Other sports entities are also there, but the NBA is the most prominent along with Nike. They're deeply entangled with China, which is a very lucrative market for them. And by the way, it's a lucrative market for American entertainment, which also, quote, bends the knee because many films that come out of Hollywood are edited uh, much differently than what we see here in the United States. Mm-hmm. So it's not to offend the CCP, but to tap into that gigantic market. But there, there may be a moment of reckoning for all of those entities where there's enough public pressure 
or their own sense of principle to the extent that it exists shames them into saying, you know what, this is untenable. We, we can't do this any longer, but you know, how, how they cut that knot um, yeah, is, is more, one. is more difficult than you and I just sitting around talking about it. I, I know you got to go in a little bit, but we could wrap. I'm curious about baseball. I'm sure you've been asked a billion times about mm-hmm. the hall of fame and what's the yeah, solution sure. for the guys who were from the steroid era and who are getting shafted. Um, I am curious. I do want to ask this. Have you spoken to Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens lately? Uh, no, although I've been in contact indirectly with Barry Bonds, I don't have antagonistic feeling feelings toward Bonds at all. I've always said that when we talk about steroids, this is not a question of morality or mm-hmm. or personal decency or criminality. Certainly, it's a question only in my mind of authenticity. Barry Bonds is one of the greatest players of all time on his natural merits. Had he never taken anything more powerful than a protein shake, he'd be an elite inner circle Hall of Famer, near unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. And as I've said many times, I put him and Roger Clemens in a different category than most other uh, suspected or obvious uh, steroid users because they wouldn't just have been Hall of Famers. They would have been historic inner circle Hall of Famers, and their credentials before we can reasonably assume they began using PEDs were overwhelmingly Hall of Fame worthy. So actually, I have been in touch with Barry Bonds, with whom I had a friendly relationship until Mm -hmm. the early 2000s. And then he became upset because I was willing to state plainly what other people either were ignoring or were too, uh, too timid to acknowledge, which is the game is wildly distorted. It's completely out of whack. Uh, and as he approached Hank Aaron, I said flatly, you know, I live on this planet. I know what's going on here. Um, <laughs> and that that did sit well with yeah. Barry. But but I actually think that there are a lot of things worthy of respect and admiration about Barry Bonds. Um, and I wish in whatever venue he would open up and tell his own story, not gossipy stuff. I don't care about that. But the stuff that's relevant to his place in in baseball history. So to answer your question, I've reached out through uh, his representatives and I've always received a very respectful response, which wasn't like, don't ever bother me again. It was, you know, maybe maybe in the future, maybe down Mm. the road. Um, But yeah, and Roger Clemens, I always had a very friendly relationship with when he was playing. There just hasn't been occasion for me to talk with him yeah. recently. But, you know, if I, if I bumped into him someplace, we'd sit down and have a beer, no question. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Bridgestone tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. 
They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Bridgestone, test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. So if all of a sudden tomorrow the Hall of Fame said, you know what, we're scrapping this dumb writer vote. These guys hold vendettas against guys who didn't talk to them, and we're scrapping that. And Bob Costas is going to officially be the Hall of Fame commissioner. Bob, we're leaning on you on what you want to do with Clemens and Bonds and all these guys who have not gotten in. Bob Costas, what's the call? Barry Bonds, Hall of Fame. You got to put him in, right? Oh, I'd put Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in. No, No question about it. Um, Alex Rodriguez. Alex has nine more years remaining on the ballot. There are people who make distinctions between those who used before any penalties and testing were codified and those who did it after. Uh, So Alex falls into the latter category. It's very hard to ignore his overall greatness. Another guy that would have been a Hall of Famer on his own Mm -hmm. natural merits. Um, If the Hall of Fame was ever to say, and that's up to their board of directors. But if they were to ever say, look, these are our new directives uh, that anyone credibly connected to steroids or performance enhancing drugs that has been suspended for that going forward, that is automatic disqualification for consideration from the Hall of Fame. They did that, by the way, with Pete Rose. There was no rule that kept Pete Rose off the Hall of Fame ballot until just before he would have been eligible in 1991, which was two years after he'd been banned for life from baseball uh, for gambling. But that rule was, in effect, an ex post facto rule, which has kept Pete Rose from ever being on the ballot, which is a little bit weird for two reasons. 
the steroid guys are all on the ballot. Some get a higher vote percentage than others, and some have apparently slipped through and are in the Hall of Fame, at least those we uh, suspect. But Pete Rose has never been considered. And now it looks even more ridiculous in light of where our conversation began, because not only does baseball tolerate gambling, it pushes it for its own commercial interest. Now, in fairness, players, umpires, those directly connected to the game, including people like me or employees of the Major League Baseball Network, are not permitted to gamble on baseball or share proprietary information. And there are still penalties connected with that. Nonetheless, when you consider Pete Rose's place in the game and the damage done to it by steroid users and the proliferation of gambling with baseball's encouragement now, it looks all the more ridiculous that an 81-year-old man who poses no threat uh, is not on the Hall of Fame ballot or that anyone would conclude some kid, some 10-year-old kid a half century from now when we're all gone seeing Pete Rose's plaque if he ever got there in the Hall of Fame gallery saying, gee, mom and dad, I guess it's okay to bet on baseball because all it cost Pete Rose was his entire livelihood. The first paragraph of his obituary wasn't the 4,256 hits. It's that he bet on baseball and, and he was kept out of the Hall of Fame for more than three decades. So I guess really he got off easy. You know, that's that's ridiculous. So now back backtracking. This is what happens to me on podcast, Jason. I like if it. You, if you said to me this, I, I'm, a, I'm a different guy on podcast. If you said to me back in the day when I was doing all that stuff for NBC, if they said in my ear, we need 45 seconds. I gave them 44.5 seconds. <laughs> I knew how to do it. You know? But there's, this, this is open ended. So this is better. You like it, if yeah. you're liking it, you're liking it. If I'm driving you crazy. I'm Why would you want 45 seconds of Bod Costas when you could get five minutes on, on like a real in-depth discussion. Like Thank I prefer you. that. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So to your, to your point, if the hall of fame was to issue a directive that said going forward, because this is, this more or less parallels what they did with Rose for better or worse. Yeah. Going forward from this day forward, anyone who tests positive exhausts appeals is suspended for having used PEDs at any point during their career is ineligible for the Hall of Fame ballot. Now, that doesn't deprive them of their livelihood. Under baseball's rules, they'd be suspended for a period of time and allowed to come back. They'd have to be like a three-time loser before they were banned banned for life. But the Hall of Fame is an honor. It's not a right. Okay, And as those who haven't been to the Hall of Fame may not understand, Barry Bonds, Pete Rose, whomever, they're not erased from the Hall of Fame. They're a big part of the museum yeah. because there's a part of the museum that that reflects baseball history. And it does it almost unflinchingly. Segregation, PEDs, women in baseball, labor strife. It's all in there. But the gallery, what people think of as the entirety of the Hall of Fame is the gallery. But that's not the whole thing. It is the most hallowed part of it. That's where the plaques are. But if you walk through the Hall of Fame, you're going to see every significant person rogues and heroes and everything in between are represented but if if the hall of fame said that from this day forward if you have been sanctioned for ped use by major league baseball you are not permitted on the ballot and then if they issued this guideline the integrity clause the character clause is too vague our feeling is by virtue of their being on the ballot that those who are connected to PED use prior to this directive in 2022 or 2023, they're certainly eligible for the Hall of Fame and 
we encourage the voters to use their own best judgment as to where that places them. Mm. And then if if they wanted to, they could they they could just as they have um, exhibits about various eras in baseball, they could do. And I'm not saying this tongue in cheek. Here's your steroid era. Mm. And they could even with with those. Let, let's say uh, let's say you're talking about Manny Ramirez and let's say Manny Ramirez somehow gets into the Hall of Fame. You could list everything he did. And it's relevant. Suspended twice for PED use would be at the bottom of the plaque. Yeah. Just as eligible as, as his statistics. That's not a bad idea. You know, th- th- those are possible ways to deal with it. But it's become such a hodgepodge already, Jason, yeah. that I don't know how you untangle it. And there's always going to be inconsistencies. What about this guy? What about that guy? And there are many people, many baseball fans who cannot make common sense distinctions. You know, there are Bonds fans who say, how can David Ortiz be in and Barry Bonds yeah. is, is not? Well, I'm not saying, I have no way of saying this definitively, that that David Ortiz never used PEDs. But the one time that he tested positive was on a survey test that was supposed to be anonymous, which had 10 or more um, false positives within it, or positives for substances that then would trigger the test that they use for the survey, but never would have been on a banned list hmm. for Major League Baseball. Plus, by agreement, the whole thing was supposed to be anonymous. They weren't looking to pinpoint individuals. They were looking to find out in a macro sense how many guys were using uh, so that they could determine to the Players Association satisfaction that it was enough of an issue uh, to have testing and penalties going forward. Now, we know that Ortiz had most of his great years in fact, all of his great years, pretty much, yeah. after testing was in place. He never tested positive. Does that mean that he never used? No, it doesn't. No. But as best we can determine, how can you compare David Ortiz to Barry Bonds, who had, and this is important to me, and I don't know why people can't make this simple distinction. You'll, you'll hear, hear people say, yeah, sure, Barry Bonds used steroids, but he's still the greatest player who ever lived before Barry Bonds began using steroids. I never heard one single person say Barry Bonds is the greatest player who ever lived. (laughs) Did, did they say that he's perhaps the best player of his generation? Yep. Fair enough. Did they say he belongs in the conversation with the, among the best all round players in baseball history? He most certainly does. Joel Sherman of the New York post, I'm going in podcast mode here, Jason. When <laughs> you tell me when you've had enough. No, no, yeah, um, I know, I know, Joel. Okay, Joel Sherman of the New York Post on the morning of uh, the Hall of Fame announcement took the first 13 years of Willie Mays's career and the first 13 of Barry Bonds and matched them up statistically. They each had eight Gold Gloves, but Willie would have had more. But the Gold Glove award didn't exist the first few years of his career. But they each had eight. And their batting statistics were roughly comparable. Willie had a higher batting average and slugging percentage, but the numbers were roughly comparable. Okay, so that means that Barry Bonds, at his best, naturally, was comparable to Willie Mays or to Hank Aaron. As a a hitter, it's difficult to compare across eras, but his numbers would not have matched up with Ted Williams or Stan Musial, or if you want to go way back to Babe Ruth. But my point here is, don't compare Barry Bonds to those people, except the Mays comparison is is illuminating because it's after 13 years 
that we credibly believe that Barry Bonds began using. Now just compare Barry Bonds to himself. Barry Bonds, the lifetime 290 hitter. The year in which he turned 40, he hit like 362 or something like that. Right. His, his career slugging percentage was 556. In the year he turned 40, he slugged over 800. He, in that stretch, he slugged over 800 twice and 799 once. Through 13 years, he had hit a homer roughly once every 15 times at bat. After that, in some seasons, he doubled that rate. He was walked more than 200 times in 2004, the year in which he turned 40, and he struck out 41. So he's walking more often than Ted Williams yeah. and striking out about as often as Tony Gwynn. Now, if he had just arrived from outer space, and that's what he started to do from his rookie season on, you just say, well, this is the greatest player in baseball history. Right. But he had a, a full – Joe DiMaggio played 13 years in the major leagues, to taking away the time in the military. So that's that's good enough to have a Hall of Fame resume, 13 years. So 13 years of Barry Bonds is at one level, and that level is very, very high. What happens subsequently is video game unnatural. Yeah. How can how can people not grasp that? Oh, yeah, he used PEDs, but he's still the greatest player. That's like if I walked into the room, Jason, on stilts and said, <laughs> I'm the tallest man in the room. Well, Bob. You're really only five foot six. Oh, no, no. I'm the tallest man in the room. Well, not without the yeah. stilts. OK, so this should be very, very simple. The other thing is when people say, oh, but other players, even the great and sainted Hank Aaron used amphetamines like this is the same thing. Amphetamines <laughs> to steroids is like comparing a slingshot to an atom bomb. And here's, <laughs> and here's your proof. Where was the distortion of baseball norms? during whatever we want to call the Greenies era. Did Hank Aaron all of a sudden double his home run rate? Did Mickey Mantle hit a homer every five times at bat? It, it's, it, there's no comparison, yeah. and it's ridiculous. And then we come to the third. Well, um, pitchers used and hitters used, so it was a level playing field. All right, let's test that. Let's go to a class in Logic 101 or a class that a reasonably bright 12-year-old could pass, which is what you're saying then is, that if no pitchers ever used, no players ever used, steroids and PEDs never existed, perfectly level playing field, Sammy Sosa would have hit 60 home runs three different times. Sure, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You know, the, the arguments that are put forward here are so idiotic and they're so unwilling to make obvious distinctions. And then you, then you have all the overlapping stuff that we talked about. Suspected guys, strongly suspected guys, proven guys, guys who admitted like Mark McGuire, yeah. Uh, guys who tested positive, guys who may have only done it a little and then stopped. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's impossible to apply a consistent standard here. E even I, who say that I put Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in a different category because they were so clearly superior even to other potential Hall of Famers, that's not fully consistent. What's fully consistent is Tom Verducci saying, if I have strong reason to believe you ever use PEDs at any time in your career, I don't care if I thought you were the greatest player I ever saw prior to that. I'm not voting for you. Mm. That's consistent. And the other consistent position is just whoever was the best players of their time, no matter how they got there, that's what I'm voting for. And in, in fairness, at least to the baseball writers, when it comes to Bonds and Clemens, the majority of them. A substantial majority do vote for them or did at the end. Yeah. You get 65% of the vote in a general election. That's a landslide. Yeah. 
but the threshold is 75%. Yeah, maybe they need I mean, to you could be Donald, that. you could be Donald Trump and lose by 7 million votes and still declare that you won in a landslide. <laughs> and, and some of these people looking at amphetamines and comparing them to steroids, they're as deranged as Trump is. Oh, Ooh, I like, uh, look at that shot on the, on the way out the door, Bob. Nice. Yep, there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bob Costas, you've been too kind to stay this long. Uh, <laughs> c- congrats on the HBO show. Uh, you br- they're bringing it back, right? It's back. We've done yeah. five episodes already. Another one that comes up on April 1st. It's great to be back on HBO. It's a performer's paradise, whether it's comedy, drama, documentaries, uh, or their coverage of sports. You know, Real Sports with Brian Gumbel has been yeah. the 60 Minutes of Sports. It's the gold standard. I had a very nice run there in the early 2000s, and, and now I'm back and very happy to be back. And it's turned out to be just as, as good an experience as I hoped it would be. Congratulations for everything, Bob, and uh, enjoy the Olympics and the Super Bowl and just life in general, man. Thanks a lot. Jason, thank you very much. And I, I'd be interested to see how many people will be able to hang in for this entire podcast Dude, and yeah. how many will say, Bob, you've worn me out because I think I've worn myself out, but no, I enjoyed no. it. No. All right, man. Thanks a lot. All right, Jason. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats. That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.